Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. I hope you're having a wonderful day. You are listening to or watching the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Tersh Blissett. Uh, today's episode, we're gonna. It's a two-part series, and uh, I'm super honored to have Ben here, uh, Ben Reed with uh, Haven IQ Products. Um, but we're going to talk about two different things and uh, transition them as smoothly as possible here. Uh, if you're going to be listening to this on the podcast, uh, this will be part one of a two-part series here. And the first part is <clears throat> we're going to talk about um, how to make money with indoor air quality. And then we're going to transition as smoothly as possible. Uh, we're going to transition into uh, how to reduce risk as a business owner with by using indoor air quality. And uh, both of these are really awesome topics. And I'm really excited to talk to Ben about this because of the product that they have and that, that they offer is not, um, I mean, it's not indoor air quality. So we're not, I'm not like, we're not pushing one thing over the other. And so it's, it's a very, um, what I feel like it's a very, um, non-biased conversation about pushing one product over the other, uh, which is awesome for me. But uh, with that being said, welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks, Tersh. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me um, a little bit about, well, first off, about you and Haven IQ and um, how you got into the entire industry. Yeah. For myself, I... Uh I guess I w should say that I started um, my career on the telecom side. So I went to trade school for telecommunications engineering, did uh, lots of projects in that space, even spent time doing sales, customer service, uh, installations, oh, yeah. engineering, like just a little bit of everything. Um, then I had moved into doing product development because I wanted to do something a lot more creative. Uh, and uh, that got me working with small companies, developing prototypes, and uh, since I've since then, I've joined a couple of startups and uh, have been just having a wild ride of trying to create um, products that can cre that can achieve a uh, magnitude of improvement over an existing uh, industry approach or or something like that. And I feel like that's what we're going to be able to do here with Haven IQ. Uh, is that there's just such a massive opportunity here in the HVAC space and in uh, in, in buildings in general, but for us as residential buildings that uh, we're super passionate about. And uh, that's that's what our product's made for. It's for um, solving air quality in uh, residential homes. So what exactly does it do? So our product, Haven IQ, um, is a combination of a couple things. So we've um, our innovation is around the sensing technology for uh, particles in the air. Uh, most particle mm. sensors, if you have a desktop particle sensor, it has a tiny little fan in it that uh, pushes air through a little uh, orifice that has uh, a couple different sensing elements that then tells you how many particles are there. And mm. uh, that's a really small fan with really small bearings, which wear out over time. So we created a product that uh, goes inside of the ductwork and it uses the airflow in the ductwork to do the particle detection. So it's a solid state particle monitor with no moving parts and we call it the central air monitor. And huh. that device is a combination of the particle sensing technology that we've created, um, VOC sensors, uh, flow sensor, uh, temperature, humidity sensor, um, and then it's got Wi-Fi built into it and Bluetooth as well. And uh, so that connects to the cloud and the Haven IAQ cloud 
provides an interface for the homeowner and the technician or rather the service company to be able to do the installation, to get notifications of air quality events, and on the service company side to view the data remotely and to produce reports that can help the homeowner and the contractor to come to a decision as to what types of improvements are needed for their home through long-term monitoring. So that's, that's kind of the big distinction of our product approach compared to other IAQ monitors is mm -hmm. that our core philosophy is that you can't actually solve IAQ problems unless you're doing continuous monitoring because the there's so many elements in the home that change over time, like the behaviors, the seasonality of, uh, you know, different things that are happening in the neighborhood, um, the equipment that's installed in the house, the age of the house, it's, it's a really, really complex. So uh -huh. we, we just believe that the, the key is long-term good data. Gotcha. And that's the biggest thing for me because uh, a, a lot of times, I mean, I remember back in oh, like 06, 07, where um, we were getting some of these, uh, what was it? It was... Um, it was some VOC off gassing from plywood or something mm -hmm. like that. It was, it was crazy. Uh, and we had these monitors that were very expensive back then. And we would go and put them in a client's house for a couple of days. And, you know, and, and it was crazy because like when somebody started cooking dinner, you can see it spike up and then come back down. And, and I was like, wow, this is awesome. But the, even back then we just left it in there for a couple of days and then went back and tried getting it and, or, <laughs> maybe you didn't go back and get it because they never called you back or yep. never answered the phone. And that, that was another challenge in itself. Um, so uh, I think this is awesome because it's something that stays there forever. Um, as far as um, with a technician, it, you know, I'm assuming that your techs would keep this on their van, keep one or two of them on a van. And, you know, if they offered it and, and sold it or whatever, they would put it into the system at that time. Is that correct? It, it just drill a hole in it. Where, what kind of, what's the placement and all that uh, of this? Yeah, device? great, great question. Because it is, an, it, it's non-typical in in a couple of ways, and that's a challenge that we deal with all the time. Is you have the existing behavior or the existing, um, I guess, assumptions of how the technology and the product should work is that techs are used to taking a, a air monitor with them. And you don't really do the lead behind and having a mm -hmm. tool that you have in your truck that you take with you from job to job, that's the default behavior. And that's not how we designed our product. It is, it is, a, it is a leave behind product. Like it's a little bit more expensive than a, a pamphlet, um, but yeah. <laughs> uh, we want it to um, produce exponentially more value than what you would get from just leaving a pamphlet because like those aren't always the most effective way to be able to just be like, Hey, read this thing and, and, you know, maybe make a decision later. Instead, our, our product is, uh, it's installed in the return duct of a home. Um, it's only available to the pro channel. So it's, it's great for technicians in that you don't have to be like competing with a homeowner that uh, looks it up online and says that, Oh, I'll just buy it from Best Buy. It's like, you can't. Yeah. So the, um, it's about half hour install goes into the duct, you drill a hole. Um, we have a really nice video um, that kind of goes, gives you your end to end installation process. Um, and our app helps out with that installation too. Um, we've done a huge amount of innovation in the app where during the install, it actually does like some 
sensor analytics of the airflow and of the other elements and even the Wi-Fi connectivity um, before it, it tells you you can leave the home. So it does all okay. of these self-tests to make sure that it's like, hey, you're going to leave this behind, but we're going to make sure that it's 100% working, that it is mm -hmm. rock solid so that you don't have to come back to fix a faulty product or a faulty install. Our, our software makes sure that the install is done right the first time. But mm -hmm. to, to your point on that, like the existing paradigm of people having a, you know, a tool in their house that they could, or a tool in their van that they can just uh, use from job to job. Yes, yeah. you can, you can install it temporarily, <laughs> but that's like when you drill a hole in the duct, it's not really as temporary anymore once it's there. Right. Um, and so what we encourage techs to do is that uh, once you, like we have a personal use program where if you can use it uh, yourself as, as a technician, you get familiarized with it. You then can show your data to the homeowner and actually tell them stories, connect with them through the stories, because deep down we're all storytellers. And this is, this is actually a, a thing we might touch on a few times is how yeah. Like in sales, I, I know that even myself, I I hate sales. I've done I've done jobs where I've had to do outbound uh, cold calling to 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 make oh, yeah. sales, and oh my gosh, like there's there's still trauma <laughs> stuck in my head from that. But pe people yeah. don't want to be forced to to buy something that they don't need. But what exactly. they what everybody wants is to be able to connect through stories. That is fundamental in our human nature, and so. That's kind of our big uh, push for technicians to kind of change that behavior to be like, don't don't just have one of these in your trucks that you install temporarily and then come back and get mm -hmm. it. You you install it in your own house. You prove that you're detecting these IQ events. We have a lot of techs that they've like humidity is the biggest one where they put it in. Mm -hmm. It's continuously monitoring the air in their entire home. And they they're just like, well, I thought my humidity was great, but like, holy crap, it's always at 70%. So I'm just going to, yeah. I'm going to throw in a duct mounted humidifier. And now I've just built the conviction that gives me a story to um, tell the homeowner, not to sell the homeowner, but to share with the homeowner how effective this product was to change my own well-being. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of our, our approach to like, <laughs> to, to combat the, uh, not to combat, but to transition people from, from believing that this is a tool that just goes in the van for a temporary um, reading to, to share with the homeowner. It's, it's creating a long-term relationship um, that helps you and the homeowner truly solve problems over a long period of time. Right. And that's what, I, I mean, that's really cool because <clears throat> like I have some of these uh, handheld devices that you walk into the house with and it's like, and it has the smiley face on it or the sad yep. face. If you're in it, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and they detect formaldehyde and yep. stuff like that. Uh, but those, those sensors there, I mean, they, I mean, it really can fluctuate. You go to this bedroom and it might go yep. bad and then you go put it in a window seal and it, uh, it's, it's good. And then you put it over in that window seal and it's horrible. And, and, you know, um, it, it's really cool that this goes into the ductwork and it's mounted there. Also, I love the fact that people might not have picked up on this, but you have the RF, the radio frequency background. So you have, you know, that this, the sensor is going to work properly before we leave. So I'm not getting a fault code whenever I leave there and, and saying, uh, connectivity issues, connectivity issues, yeah. connectivity issues. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've, yeah, my, my background doing kind of some RF engineering projects, like a lot of stuff with antennas, 
like last summer, we spent almost the entire summer just doing um, Wi-Fi optimization. Um, so Wi-Fi gets really, really complex with like, if you're trying to make a product that operates really smoothly, um, mm -hmm. it's not like it's, it's your antenna, it's the chip that you're using that uh, is like that controls the radio. Um, it's the firmware on that chip um, that controls the 802.11 um, Wi-Fi standard of like how that's implemented, how it ends up like setting up a session to connect and disconnect from Wi-Fi. So uh, our, our team has been a, put a huge amount of effort in-house, like it's myself mm -hmm. and some of my other team members that are just brilliant engineers um, to make sure that the product is rock solid from a firmware and a hardware, like a connectivity standpoint. Um, because myself, having been uh, like a telecom tech in the field, it, it, it would be like, I would just hate that product by the time I'm done <laughs> yeah. with it. Um, and, and to your point on like those portable monitors, um, super, super useful for, um, for being able to get a, a short-term di diagnosis. It's, yeah. it's kind of the, the difference or similar, of, similar to a doctor that uh, can, you walk into a walk-in clinic and, you know, they use a stethoscope, they, they look inside your ear, they, you know, do the knee tap thing. And they're like, oh, you're not dying. Like this is, that's good. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it, it is useful. It, it's something that, uh, that you can take with you and, and use to help make some decisions, but just like with the kind of the medical system, you, you should be, uh, you should have a family doctor and you should be trying to benchmark over time. If you are kind of getting better or worse, or kind of be, being able to look at your health in a holistic manner. And uh, not just being, a, not just having a short-term uh, sort of view where that a spot test is the only thing you need. So yeah. we, we'd like to, like, our philosophy is long-term monitoring, but uh, spot tests are useful for making certain decisions. Just like going into your emergency clinic is useful for certain situations. But yeah, you, if you got a broke arm. It's obvious. Exactly. Broke arm. Exactly. You, you have a really bad chemical problem because you just installed some, you know, new carpet, like that's going to show up like on the, yeah. on that spot tester. But what about all, like, what about all the other time that, that you don't have this HVAC technician at the house? Um, mm -hmm. And, and so we're, we're trying to build that intelligence so that the homeowner has the peace of mind that the, uh, you know, they have the app that gives them all of the notifications and all that type of information but th then the contractor can also access the data. And so when the homeowner contacts the, the, the service company, like whether it's a part of a service contract, which is what we really encourage people to do with our, our product is just integrated into yeah. a service, service contract mm -hmm. um, that they, they should be able to have a conversation that builds trust in, because like a lot of these changes to HVAC systems um, like, cause I, 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 myself, I'm not an HVAC tech, but like, even looking at it from, from my point of view as a consumer, I, I would be like, what the hell, why does an HVAC system cost 20 grand? Like, that's ridiculous because right. we don't think about it. It's, it's not yeah. something that, that out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. It's, yeah. uh, and, and so if you can have that sort of ongoing data, have the homeowner kind of invest in that um, a long-term monitoring solution that allows the service company to, to build that trust and that certainty around that if you're going to sell them the, their solution for ventilation, filtration, or humidity control, um, why not 
like put the effort up front to make sure that you're solving the right problem. And spot testing, you can you will get the small snapshot. But for those bigger investments, that's where a product really shines is that you're you're creating yeah. that you're understanding their long-term needs and making yeah. sure that their investment is going to be worthwhile. How long would you say, okay, say somebody comes to me and says, hey, look, and we haven't even gotten into the the nuts and bolts of the topic here, but I I I I just have lots of questions Absolutely. here. And we've we've had we've had conversations before, but I still love asking questions uh, to Ben and his team. Um how long would you say we need to have this installed in somebody's ductwork before we offer a solution to them? So like uh, say somebody's saying they're they're constantly having headaches. Like I'm constantly having headaches. Uh, carbon monoxide detector is not going off. We put one of these devices in. Should we leave it there for two months before we say, okay, here's what we found over the span of two months. And like we recommend an ERV mm. or, you know, something like that. Yeah. What would you think? So I'd say the, the, the bigger answer is like, it, it depends and it's, it's complicated, but it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's actually try to bring that back. And because that's not the answer that we want. It's, we want to make this easier to, to digest and understand and just think of it based on severity. And if so, you install it and a week later, if, uh, if your readings are showing that the particle levels, chemical levels, PM levels are just ridiculous, like they're always in the mm -hmm. poor zone or they're always outside of the band that you want it to be for your uh, particular climate zone, uh, well, for humidity at least, and for particles and chemicals, yeah. there's a couple of guidelines that you just want to follow. Um, okay. And uh, it's like even after a week, you, you look at it and you try to find trends. And okay. those trends uh, can be like a couple of things. Like they, they could be that at certain times of the day, you have spikes um, where let's say every time the person cooks just a massive spike, but it only lasts like a, a minute or two. Um, and then it goes back down to, to where it should be like for, for, for cooking. Um, it might mean that they're uh, properly using their hood fan when they're cooking. Um, yeah. So that's, that's mm -hmm. an interesting insight to pull out of it. But when you have a, kind of a, a spike that lasts for hours on end for, let's say, PM, and it is during the time when they're cooking, and let's say they don't have a hood fan that vents to the outdoors, um, that's the perfect opportunity to be like, okay, in this particular situation, uh, homeowner, like you're, you're just polluting the crap out of your house. Uh, and yeah. all you need to do is just in, invest in this uh, kind of vented hood fan, and uh, it's going to make a big difference. I, ideally, it turns on automatically so that you don't even have to do, have to worry about it. Um, mm. But yeah, going back to the kind of that severity is uh, it's it's same as that analogy with the doctor visit is that if they see that you're bleeding out, then you're going to do something about it right away. Um, yeah. But if if there isn't something that shows up right like at that uh, first like, kind of one week checkpoint, um, th then you just uh, continue to, to monitor and you try to find those trends. Like humidity is actually the best opportunity we've seen in most situations um, because it's capturing air from the entire house. So it kind of balances, um, you know, everything that's coming into that return ductwork mm -hmm. uh, to, to kind of get the holistic picture. And th that's the easiest IQ opportunity that people use um, the um, Haven IQ platform for is just even after a couple of days, you see that humidity constantly high, constantly low, regardless of the season that you're in season is mm -hmm. going to last for, you know, anywhere from four to or three to six, eight months. 
and yeah. uh, twelve months if you're in South Georgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you're going to want to do something about that right away. Like, it's a week of yeah. humidity data is enough to to show you that uh, there's an opportunity that you can pursue. Yeah. So, um, is it? I guess regionally here in Savannah, Georgia, most everybody have uh, one single return. Mm-hmm. Is is it ideal? So, what happens if you're somewhere where you have returns in every room and returns versus a single return. Does, does that affect product placement um, or is it pretty much the same everywhere? Uh, it does. And it, it kind of, you, you just need to, it's pretty straightforward. Is that whatever, wherever the return is in the home, if you're putting it in the ductwork only for, you know, right after the return grill um, mm-hmm. for the upstairs, then you're likely just going to be getting air that is primarily from the upstairs if the mm-hmm. zones, if, like a lot of homes, if they have zones, the zones aren't like explicitly um, uh, kind of separated from each other. And in that mm-hmm. case, you will get bleed for like particles and chemicals that uh, end up, um, you know, drifting through zones. So you will be able to see um, uh, kind of readings that are home, whole home, even if you're putting it into a single zone. But what we recommend is to be able to put it just before the filter um, like maybe about two feet before the filter, before it hits the uh, air handler, because okay. we, we do want the, like to make it economical for most homes uh, you just have one central air monitor in there uh, mm-hmm. before the, before the filter, because we're also, because we count the uh, particles and we're also measuring airflow, we can predict filter lifetime. So that's another great uh, feature for homeowners and for technicians to kind of go beyond the like, hey, maybe replace your filter sometime. <laughs> we don't know um, because for, yeah. every, for every home is different. Um, yeah. And so we, because we're gathering that data, we can uh, derive that uh, wisdom and send that notification to the homeowner to make the change. But uh, yeah, it's up to you. So that's, a, that's a assuming that we have the air filter at the air handler. Yeah. Um, and so can you still formulate some, of, some sort of data if the filter is in say a filter grill, yeah. like we have a 20 by 20 filter grill. Yeah. That's, that is a challenge that we're, um, uh, I imagine we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Cause up here, up here in uh, Western Canada uh, or in, in a lot of Canada, we don't really do filter grills. Um, yeah. and so the, it's kind of like that uh, southern, southeastern side of the U.S. where it's yep. a single return with a, with, with a single kind of filter grill where our product is like, oh, well, that's it's not quite the, the perfect situation for our product. But if you put the um, central air monitor after the filter grill, you can still derive like how efficient that filter is. So many yeah. filter, gr- not just grills, but filter installations, there is gaps around the filter. And because the the filter itself has a lot of air resistance, air wants to travel the path of least resistance. So it'll just go right around that filter. And so Mm -hmm. it it can even in those situations where you want to help convince the homeowner to make certain upgrades to their filtration, you put it in after the filter grill um, and they don't, they're just like, ah, I don't want to, you know, upgrade this to a two or a four inch deep thing. You're just like, well, Mm -hmm. just a second, let's actually take a look at this and then show them that it's uh, so Since it's since in the in an ideal state, it's before your five inch whole home filter yep. that's at the unit. I, I would assume. Okay, so it, since it's at that point, uh, is this something that we're going to have to pull and clean on a yearly basis? I just imagine that it can get pretty gnarly, dirty um, if in certain situations. It yeah, there's 
So the, the product is really easy to clean. You don't okay. like right now, we don't have an automated method to tell the um, uh, service company if the device is uh, dirty. We are working mm -hmm. on a firmware feature that is actually going to do exactly that. Um, oh, okay, cool. Because in, in the situation where it does, like we've had a lot of installs up here uh, in, in our kind of testing with our beta testers where they can be in the dock for years at a time without being too dirty. It's really those oh, wow. big events. Like, you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're doing drywall or some other sort of construction, mm -hmm. um, or if there's a lot of, uh, if your home is really leaky and you get a lot of road dust coming into it, yeah. um, then there might be a little bit of dust buildup. We've specifically designed, or we chose a plastic that, uh, it has a little bit of electrostatic properties that repels particles from gathering on it. Um, gotcha. and the, way that the aerodynamics so, work. Y'all definitely had some forethought on that, you know. For certain things, yeah. And so, <laughs> but to clean it, it's, it's really, really simple is that you just pop it, like you don't have to recalibrate it. So you just pop okay. it out of the duct. You actually just use a little um, Q-tip uh, with a little bit of isopropyl alcohol to just rub around the um, apertures where the sensors are and you just stick it right back in. Okay. So it's simple enough. Um, yeah. and, and I love the fact that we, we talked about uh, that it's going to show the client, uh, how much air is getting past the filter and has a potential to, to share that upgrade uh, or the need for an upgraded uh, air filter at the unit. Instead of us just going to them with pictures of a dirty evap coil and saying, <laughs> hey, look, you need to change your filter more often. And you can actually go to them with data and say, look, um, it's going to be more beneficial if we go ahead and install this whole home media filter. Yeah. Yeah. You need to make like, like, again, like I said, I, I hate, I hate sales. I, I like yeah. <laughs> telling stories that help people improve their life though. And so that's kind of the approach of, of how with, with this is that either you, in, you can install it for the homeowner and say that, Hey, I'm just going to leave it here for a month. And yeah. then we're going to just have conversations throughout that month. They're going to hopefully get hooked on certain things that are, that are happening where they get notifications when they're cooking and they're just like, Hey, contractor, how do you do this? Like Zoa, like our, our so it's the company I work for, but Haven IQ will provide some of that guidance to contractors, being like, "Hey, in this situation, when a, when a customer talks to you about this, this is the type of um, conversation that you can have uh, with them to tell them about their cooking habits or to talk about that filter upgrade." So we're we're trying to produce a lot of that guidance in the next uh, couple of months here. Um, but yeah, leave kind of leaving it for a month or so until the homeowner is convinced that they need that system upgrade or that accessory upgrade is another great mm -hmm. strategy. So that kind of, I don't know that we actually touched on this, but in, just in case we didn't, can you list out what it does actually measure? Yeah. Uh, so, so that we know, like, is it a specific VOC or, or, you know, does it measure, viruses or yeah i mean like all this crazy i mean whatever scenario it could be yeah yeah so uh, some of the basics of, of sensor technology is the the more you speciate um or sort or rather the more you try to de derive or to uncover exactly what is in the air the more expensive mm -hmm. it's going to get and it like it right. gets exponentially expensive um so mm -hmm. so for us we're we're taking the approach of of basically counting particles instead of speciating particles. So like, we don't know if it's viruses 
um, or if it's like, you know, cats uh, dander or something like that. Mm-hmm. And with chemicals, like we're, we're not specifically um, searching for formaldehyde, um, but okay. our sensor, both of our sensors are able to read all of the um, particles and chemicals that are um, that should be worrisome to the homeowner and to the contractor. And that's that's kind of a, a key part of thinking about IQ is is it's it's not specifically about how much formaldehyde you have in the home. It's should be more about how well is your home ventilated. And same with particles is like it's not specifically about how many viruses are in the air it's how well or how good is your filtration and mm-hmm. those those are really are really important conversations to have because if, if you focus on like being like i need to know if there's viruses in the air it's you're, you're leaving out so much of the value of, of what can be like of how to solve iq problems where detecting specifically a virus mm-hmm. with a with a sensor that you know could be connected to the internet is it's it's a order of 10 to 20 to 30 times as expensive as what you would get with, with our platform. Yeah. And, but the, the real, when you think about it, as far as health outcomes, um, the, the filtration, ventilation and humidity controls, um, regardless of what's in the air, like that is the outcome that, or that is a solution. Those are the solutions that you need to be thinking about instead of obsessing over like, you know, whether we're detecting a virus or um, whether it's specifically detecting, um, uh, you know, a, a, har- a specific harmful gas. Mm-hmm. It's, there, it's, it's guidelines that you don't need a, a $10,000 sensor. Right. We've, we've created a sensor that is um, each one is calibrated individually off of our manufacturing line against known levels of, of particles We've done third-party lab tests that make sure that our product is repeatable over and over and over again. And that's really important for long-term monitoring is the repeatability. And so being able to use the general particle and chemical sensing as indicators uh, for uh, better filtration strategies, for better ventilation Mm -hmm. strategies, that is key because the science shows that regardless of like for, 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 chemicals, it's still so emergent right now in us, in our uh, kind of civilization's understanding of how all these chemicals react with each other in the air. Mm -hmm. And so like every year, there's a new study that comes out that says that, hey, this other particle or this other chemical Mm -hmm. that we um, have only just started studying, when it reacts with this particle or this chemical over here, it then creates this super toxic thing, which we've never found before. It's like, okay, that's great, but just bring it back home, make it simple. You just need to fix your ventilation. Like yeah. if there's chemicals, you fix ventilation. If there's particles, you fix filtration. That's just, just, that's it. So when it comes to indoor air quality um, and having other devices added to it, should, should we have two devices? I mean, should we have two like Haven mm. um, IQ products? Because like one before the unit and then one further down the ductwork to see what was caught or what kind of um, uh, uh, particles are no longer in the the duct, the airflow? Yeah, or? yeah. There's that's that's something that we've seen. At, like well, we've done ourselves, and we, we've seen some yeah. technicians do as well. And it's definitely not necessary. It's kind of it, it's fun. Like you get some interesting results, but almost yeah. all homes you don't need it. It's uh, right, right. because the um, like. 
So if you have uh, like a, you know, a, a, an HVAC system set up and then you have, well, let's say some return duct work and then a whole bunch of accessories, you've got like a UV light ionizer mm-hmm. and like, you know, deep media air cleaning system and like a dehumidifier. And then you have a device like a Haven on the supply side. Yeah. You'll, you'll be able to see what is specifically now going to be supplied to the home. Um, but uh, it's it, it's still just it's, it's super valuable and more economical to just have one kind of in that return duct because you're you're looking at uh, what needs to be treated instead of what was already treated. And right. so as soon as you have deployed your strategies inside of the home, uh, like so if you add a dehumidifier, that device in the return duct is going to pick up those changes. It's going to show that uh, um, that the humidity has been affected, and then you can tweak those settings. You can um, uh, kind of just look at it over time after it's been installed to just make sure that, it, that it's working, and that'll show up in the return duct side. Okay, cool. Uh, obviously, we, we talked a lot about different things, and... Uh, when it comes back, circling back around to the the money making side of mm. things, the biggest thing to me from what I've taken away from this conversation is that you're not selling anything at this point. You're providing options to solve problems that have been discovered now that were just kind of like a uh, maybe this is a case, maybe this isn't a case scenario. Uh, whereas now we fully understand that our house has this problem, not that problem. So we can offer options to solve this problem over here. Yeah. So I I think the, what's interesting to look at is that a lot of service companies can and are making money successfully with IEQ because Mm -hmm. the, there has been a shift in the consumer perspective of IEQ in the last year, especially so we're staying home all the time and there's an airborne disease that is yeah. super scary that we <laughs> want to control and to get away from. Um, exactly. And so every, everybody has been that you're, you know, if you're running an HVAC business, your customers are asking for a, uh, either a sensor that detects particles or a solution that, or sorry, a sensor that detects viruses or a solution that kills viruses. Exactly. So selling IQ shouldn't be hard right now. Everybody should be able to do it, <laughs> but are you solving the IAQ problem is the real exactly. question. And that's where we've kind of, we've seen some uh, service companies even get in trouble for uh, installing something oh, yeah. where yeah, you have a claim. Prom- promising, promising one thing over promising. And then all of a sudden someone gets sick and then you're like, oopsie. And, like, and the good lawyers, yeah, and the good service companies, they they are doing it for the best of intentions. It's not about yeah. just trying to sell something to to make a profit. There are people out there that do that, um, but right. for for most service company owners, like that's not, <laughs> that's not how to create a repeatable business. Um, exactly. And and so what's happened with IQ in my from from me looking at it is that a lot of these you know whether it's a service company technician salesman or like or the business owner. Um, IAQ has become a bit of a liability. It's, it's become, a, yes. become a risk because you can make money selling IAQ uh, because everybody wants it. But how do you make money in, in such a way that you are not putting your business at risk and you're not putting the homeowner's health at risk? That's kind of, for us, that's super, super important to be thinking about. And 
I don't think you can do that without long-term data because you install something and maybe at the time of like, you know, you put in an ionizer or something like that and uh, you, you kind of now have that fresh air smell. And so it seems like you've been able to solve the problem, but uh, like there's even emergent science about that kind of ionization side of things where there are certain weird byproducts of chemicals in the air when that whatever is produced from that electronic air, electronic air cleaner, it um, reacts with certain types of chemicals in the air, which in some homes, those chemicals are more prevalent than others. And then the outcome is this new derived, you know, uh, chemical concoction that can almost be like more harmful to yeah. the homeowner's health. And uh, and how do you know that you're that that's happening or not? And that that's that's why you need that data. You need to be able to. As you can it. tell, this conversation flows very well. So it's not there's not really a great spot to stop and take a break. So I'm just going to stop us right here. As I mentioned earlier in the episode. This is going to be a two-part series simply because of the length of the conversation. We've got, I mean, tons of information, great information uh, between Ben and myself. So I'm going to leave the rest of the uh, reducing risk for part two. Now, there is going to be some more about making money uh, as there was some about reducing risk in the first episode or part one of this, this series. But that's just kind of how our conversation went. And so here we are, the end of part one. So I hope you stay, uh, I hope you follow along for part two. And thank you again for listening to this episode of the Service Business Mastery Podcast. It is a podcast focused on service business owners, managers, and technicians who are considering becoming business owners themselves. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to Ben, haveniq.com. Follow their Instagram page. Uh, connect with them. Follow me on Instagram, Tershblissett, at Tershblissett, or at Service Emperor. Thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you have a wonderful and safe week. Until we talk again next week, see ya.